Walking through the streets, you arrive at the unmarked building. As you approach, the door is opened with perfect timing by Stevens. Without breaking stride, you walk into the hall, remove your coat, and exchange it for the drink already awaiting you in Stevens' other hand. You wave to members, old and new, as you make your way to the fireplace. This is your night to bring the story, and it's time to begin. Welcome to the club. Welcome back to Chapter 4 of Girl Underground, where we last left our party. They had just rescued all of the captured acts from the Hall of 10,000 Masks. Gomer kicked somebody in their Hieronymi. The gang jumped through a mirror into safety after Kat had spent the day wielding her newly one axe she discovered that she had cut off her own toes and was running around all day with them under her feet captain ash spoke to that axe and we learned that it was created by the fairy queen when the fairy queen was brought up there was a, a point of interest with robin Goodfun. at the end mistress maya showed up and found the party and poor cat was left in a puddle of her own tears vomit and gomer's vomit and that is where we will pick up our story. As it was a very downbeat for everybody, Ringmistress Maya got everyone together and led you all back to the secret camp that they've run away to. Night has fallen. Kat has still not really spoken to anybody. She's found a place uh, all her own. Gomer is off in the distance. Nobody quite knows where he is. He's running around. And sitting around the fire are Captain Ash and Robin Goodfun. Ash is polishing his newly acquired sword by firelight, <laughs> uh, deep in thought, not even really noticing that Robin is at the fire for a moment. Uh, but then he, he comes to and sees Robin. He'll notice Robin because Robin is pounding on his big belly, <laughs> like testing it for uh, drum acoustics. <laughs> well, big guy, you keeping those toes fresh in there, I hope. <laughs> I'm not going to warrant that with a response. You're magically inclined, right? You you know about the arcane arts. You probably ascertained I was having a conversation with that axe earlier. Well, I mean, people talk to themselves sometimes. See, I have a sort of a knack for that sort of thing. Sometimes when uh, my instinct kicks in, uh, I can identify an object of power or an object that's been imbued with some sort of life force, and I recognize it in this axe. And I had a conversation with it. Can I confide in you uh, what I heard? I value your opinion on some things. Okay. I learned three interesting things. Uh, the first, uh, this axe is linked to Kat's bracelet. It's linked to items of great magical power. Her bracelet has great magical power. We should learn more about that. Why? It could be the key to unlocking uh, Kat's full potential. And it's also, I feel, 
it would be important to protect this bracelet, so we should learn about its properties and its origins. Two, the axe only cuts what the wielder intends. And three, we learned that the axe was created by the fairy queen. I don't know anything about the fairy queen. Uh, this is a mystery to me, but I saw your reaction when mm -hmm. I mentioned it. So you're confiding in me? I just thought I'm, I'd let you have this information. Maybe you have uh, more knowledge of it. I want to know your opinions on this axe and what we should do with it. I think it's Kat's responsibility. She has the bracelet that goes with it, and I think she can trust herself. I don't think she needs us to tell her what to do. I think she already will know what to do when the time comes. Yes, that's wise. I agree with your, or your recommendation. Tell me more about this fairy queen. I'm not ready to talk to you about her. As Robin, who, who was so receptive to sitting down and talking, suddenly cuts this conversation off sharply. Ash goes back to uh, his sword, and Robin stops drumming, and he turns off and stares into the fire. And, and the camera zooms into the fire and the flickering, and suddenly we see a little bit of Robin's past. A soft golden light illuminates an enormous oak tree in a small clearing of a huge primal forest. This tree is the main dwelling of the king and queen of the fairies. Near the base of the tree, we see the back of Robin, his foxtail twitching in time to a song he's humming. We realize he's relieving himself on the side of the tree. <laughs> a voice calls his name out quietly. Robin is startled, and when he turns around, we see that Robin has a much more human appearance than expected. He bows, flourishing his hands. Yes, my king, he says. We see the shadow of the fairy king in his crown cast on the side of the oak tree, but we don't see the king himself. The king says, When you enact the change bug on the human child, it will be to bring them only to me. The queen is not to know of this. Robin bows with a smirk, and we fade to moonlight reflecting on the surface of a small pond. Robin sits on a log at the edge of the pond. His laughter rings out in the evening. Come here, pretty one. He leans in as to kiss the shadow next to him. He breaks away from, <laughs> he breaks away from the kiss and laughs again. And this time, a sheep bleat joins his laughter. As he leans back, the moonlight illuminates a fairy creature in the form of a sheep. The sheep leans in to Robin with a sloppy tongue kiss. <laughs> we hear light footsteps come closer as a musical voice calls out, Robin. The sheep fairy bleats in fear and falls into the pond as Robin stands awkwardly. He bows and remains bowed to hide his earlier excitement. Yes, my queen? When you enact the change bug on the human girl, it will be to bring her only to me. The king is not to know of this. As Robin rises from his bow, the queen has vanished, and in the background is just the splashing of the sheep fairy in the pond as the scene fades on the disturbed reflection of the moon. Fade to a slow zoom in on a small home, in through the open window, and we see a woman in a denim jacket and a floral print skirt singing sweetly as she lays a child in a crib. In the background, we see Robin peeking over the windowsill, watching the scene. Robin shakes his head and sighs. He looks at a strange object in his hand that looks like a large rolled-up pill bug. He hops from his perch and steals away quietly from the window. He softly mutters, No, 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 what am I going to do? As he rounds the house, he sees a pair of Rottweilers snoozing at the entrance of a doghouse. Quick as a blink, Robin dashes towards the dog and places a bug-like object on each of the dog's legs. The objects unroll, 
and a multitude of long, spindly legs extend as the change bugs skitter up the dog's back. When they reach the dog's head, the legs wrap around the dog's neck. The creature settles slowly against the back of the dog's head and then pulse an ethereal purple, then they finally fade in visibility. It's sunset, and we see an archway of stone, the gateway to the fairy realm. There's a strange mist hovering underneath. Robin stands up to his waist in the mist as he plays a tune on a reed flute. There is suddenly the sound of dogs barking furiously and a clamor of many fairies yelling in fear. And above them all, we hear the king and queen yelling out together, Robin! He stops playing the flute and his head jerks towards the directions of the yelling fairy monarchs. The sheep fairy raises her head above the mist between Robin's legs. The king and queen... (laughs) (laughs) The king and queen are both yelling about banishing Robin from the fairy realm forever, and their voices get closer. Robin sighs in defeat and transforms completely into a fox and dashes through the stone arch, his tail appearing occasionally above the mist. Then the king and queen arrive, each carrying a salivating Rottweiler in their arms that is licking their faces with abandon. They look at each other and know instantly that Robin was the means of their betrayal of each other and that they do not possess the human girl that they had fallen in love with. We come back from the scene and we see that Robin's eyes are still drifting into the fire. We've seen Robin's eyes flicker, but now we just see blankness and the only flicker is from the fire. Going back further against the wall, away from the other acts that have arrived back at the camp that you rescued from the Hall of 10,000 Masks, we see Cat still sitting alone. No one is talking to her because everybody has, has clearly tried and they're giving her a wide berth when through the entrance of the cave comes Gomer. And Gomer is carrying in his hands two corn dogs. <laughs> I'm so hungry now. <laughs> and he approaches Cat. Hey, sport. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha, corn dog. At the mention of the word corn dog, Cat, for the first time anyone has tried to talk to her, looks at the person speaking to her. Did you want it? No, it's been a rough day. I thought this might cheer you up a little bit. Yeah, thanks. And she grabs both of them. Uh, Gomer pulls out his secret third corn dog. (laughs) (laughs) You knew it was going to happen. Yep. So how's your uh, whole flick thing going? I deserve this. No one deserves to lose their toes. I mean, what? you're just trying your best. What makes you think you deserve it? This is all my fault, everything. Ever since I got here, I've just messed stuff up over and over and over again. I hurt your gomers. I took... Oh, God, I just took your corn dogs again. I threw up on you. I I led... I led those weird men to to the circus, and people almost died, and Mistress Maya... She could have died, and it's all my fault. No, 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 it's not, it's not all your fault. Let's start with the beginning of that. Karmically, I had hit someone in their Hieronymies before you ever hit me in my gomers, so, so that one balanced out. You didn't do anything wrong there. The corn dogs, I, these were for you. They're both for you. This one's for me. I got my third corn dog. You don't need to be worried about corn dogs. Everything's fine. And look, I, I know it feels like, like, you're the cause of all this, but it, it's not how that works out. I mean, we... We're a circus. We're loud. 
It's one of the worst ways to hide from people is to be a circus. (laughs) (laughs) When Gomer says that, Kat kind of smiles for the first time. (laughs) Hey, there we go. I'm just really scared that I'm going to... I'm going to mess everything up, and I'm going to get all of you killed. Look at what you did right, though. I mean, we went into the Hall of 10,000 Masks, and we made it out because of you. And you got those people out of those prisons. We wouldn't all be here right now if you didn't do some of these things right. It's a journey. There's going to be mistakes along the way. I mean, that's just the way adventures go, right? You can see that she wants to agree with you, but it's really hard for her to... It, it almost goes against being a humble young lady to admit that she could do anything right. So she's struggling really hard to accept what you're pointing out. Well, that all that stuff, I didn't know what I was doing. It was just an, it was an accident. And Gomer takes the two corn dogs out of, oh, I have to roll for this, don't I? I'm going well, to impart some wisdom here. This is an instinct, though. Perfect. So I do get one. I can't do anything. Eight. Perfect. Now, the way this ability works, you're imparting wisdom. Roll when you offer guidance to the girl, and she follows it. Because you rolled an eight, what truth do you neglect to share with the girl? So impart your wisdom, and then tell us what truth you left out. All right, so first off, Gomer takes the corn dogs. Uh, no, it's okay. They'll come back. <laughs> he, he sets them down on a very clean surface <laughs> where they will not, not be tainted. In this cave. Yeah. <laughs> There's a nice clean plate in the cave that was there when we showed up. <laughs> and he, he takes Cat's face in his tiny panda paws. <laughs> I want you to look me in the eye and repeat after me. I kick ass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I kick ass. Gomer, this. I kick ass. Sam, make a roll. You get to add plus one to your lowest die. Ten. Perfect. Tell us how you overcome the challenge. Gomer, Gomer is holding you and he's cheering you on. I kick ass. I. I kick ass. I. I kick ass. I kick ass. I kick ass. I can say ass now, you right? You can say ass now. Yeah, I kick all the ass. Yeah! How many asses do you kick? I kick 10,000 asses. The whole of 10,000 asses yeah. has been kicked. <laughs> Uh, the cat's face is lighting up and Gomer's lighting up and it is time for Cat to create a new belief because she has broken the moral of young ladies must always be humble. It's okay to recognize your accomplishments. It doesn't make you like vain or ungrateful. At this point in, in your celebration, your chanting of uh, I kick ass has gotten the attention of everybody in the camp. And Ringmistress Maya comes over and she sees this look on your faces celebrating yourselves. And Kat, you'd notice that she's looking at you and she's just got a big smile on her face. Hey, sugar tits. (laughs) (laughs) No, wait. Rewind. (laughs) My favorite button. (laughs) I start to run up to her and I actually fall because I, I... felt so good for a moment that I forgot that I don't have toes on one of my feet. 
your balance is all off. Yeah. As you trip forward, she reaches out and she catches you and uh, stands you, you up again. And she says, it's great to see you up and smiling again. We were all very worried about you. I'm sorry. I was just scared. And but now I know I kick ass. And so whatever the next step is, whatever you guys need me to do, I'm ready. Kat and Gomer, why don't you join Robin and Ash and myself by the fire? We have a lot to discuss. And she takes you over and you all take a seat. You hear more tummy drumming <laughs> as you draw closer. <laughs> as, she, as Ringmistress Maya walks by, she, she adds a little beat to your tummy box. And she sits down uh, as you're all gathered around this fire. Now, um, Captain Ash and, and Robin and Gomer have filled me in on everything that you all went through. And, uh, and I owe you all a tremendous debt for everything you went through. It is, it's absolutely amazing. Everybody made it back safe and sound. The Hall of 10,000 Masks is in an uproar and chaos. This is the moment we have been waiting for. It's time for us to pack up the circus and move on and get away from here. We've been pushed to this edge and it's time for us to find a new home. But you guys can't come with us right now because, Cat, we owe you a debt. And the only way we can repay this debt is to find a way to get you home. So I need to ask Gomer, Robin, Ash, will you help Kat get home? No. She dies. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the episodes, right? (laughs) Rewind. No, and he pops a uh, toe in his mouth. Like oh he my looking. god. <laughs> this is dark. <laughs> uh, next game, just maybe a few different people involved. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've come this far with her. We gotta get her out of here. Sounds like a plan to me. I'm on board. If Lady Cat wishes to go home, I will help her. Oh yeah. You wanna go home? I... At that moment, Kat, your mind fills with uh, something that you had been afraid of. When you first found yourself here, what was the first fear that came into your mind about being away from home? This is such a struggle for Kat because the thing that she craves most in her life is the thing that she lacks most in her life, which is curiosity. Her mother died, although she's still skeptical about that and her father is this older person who's just sort of become even older in his grief and he moves around the house like a ghost and they don't do anything they don't talk to each other they don't share experiences like they did when her mom was around and so when she woke up in this new place it was almost like everything she ever wanted in this really huge amazing way and as soon as she had that thought and that feeling of exhilaration, she had this horrible stab of fear right in her gut that something terrible would happen to her dad without her. So she doesn't want to go home, but she has to because she can't leave her dad. So what do you what do you say to them in response then? Yeah, I I need to go home, you guys. Thank you. Let's go. First a round of drinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, Cat looks at Robin. I cut my toes off because I was drunk. Because you gave me ale at the party. So it's my fault. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, do you want me to fix it? Can you? Yeah, I have magic. Will that erase my juggling power? Like, is it just one at a time? It shouldn't. I mean, normally, but unfortunately, like, I don't know how you feel about this. It's using magic to heal. That's fine. It is? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when I go home, will I still be able to juggle? Can't promise that. I think if you keep that honesty and trust in your heart, you'll always remember to juggle. It's a skill. You don't just forget it. You mean like I should probably practice? Yeah, you should keep practicing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so if you're ready, all you got to do is say, I wish you would fix my foot. I wish you would fix my foot. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. So I have uh, an ability called As You Wish. Roll when you offer to grant a wish for the girl and she accepts. So the way this says, at a seven plus, there's a, a thing that happens here too. So that is an 11. The girl may re-roll and add one to the total. So next time she rolls to break a manor, she'll get to re-roll her lowest dice and add one. Robin gathers up the toes. He has <laughs> trouble struggling around his big belly. <laughs> like the, the one of the toes got really down far at the bottom of that flesh pouch. <laughs> <laughs> he's digging in there and he's got them all. He's like, okay, just sit down there and let me see your foot. And you uh, put your foot, you put your foot in the palm of his hand and he holds the other toes up to your foot and closes his hands around your foot and he closes his eyes and then they open again and that yellow fire that you saw behind them before blazes brighter than you've ever seen and you almost see like a halo that looks like a crown around his head but it happens so fast you're not sure if you really saw it and then when he pulls his hand away your toes are back the way they are supposed to be but there's a scar still left from where each of them is attached and he looks at you and Robin says I left proof that you had lost your toes so you will always remember us and also remember not to swing an axe into your foot I I thought you were going to say and also remember that you kick ass (laughs) 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 Thank you, Robin. So we should get out of here. As everybody is starting to pack up because they're about to move out, they're they're kind of clearing the camp, but Bring Mistress Maya hasn't dismissed you guys yet. You feel weird getting up and just leaving her, but she it's clear that she has something that she needs to get off her chest. Like a tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Like four cup sizes. <laughs> uh, that sugar is her bread and butter, guys. Uh, once the the other people in the cave have cleared out and it's just all of you, she leans in and she says, I know one surefire way to get you home. Do you still have your amulet? Yes, Cat reaches into her pocket and grabs it. When you pull it out, you notice that the bright red of your amulet has turned to a rust 
brown kind of color. Oh no, you guys. Does this look like that other guy's amulet? Just you... like it. Oh, I'm not going to be able... It's just... The... It broke. Right before it broke. Somehow it broke. I don't think this is going to work. The apples only have so many trips that they can make. And the fact that one made it to you and you got back and used it again, that's all it has. Did you say <laughs> apples? It did. Okay. That's the first time. It is. Okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's something that I haven't told you all. When I was about Cat's age, I was in love with a young, brave knight. He just finished his blood internship, <laughs> uh, and he was going into join the Hall of Ten Thousand Masks. I was in need of adventure. I wanted to discover and battle things just like he was training to do, and I made my way through the Whispering Willows and into the court of the Fairy Queen. Searching for adventure, she did what fairy queens do, and she turns her gaze to Robin for just a second too long and turns back to the party. I made a deal. I said I wanted adventure, and she gave me a way to travel to other worlds. So she gave me these seeds. I planted them and a small tree with these perfectly smooth apples grow on them. By using them, I was able to travel to another world where I found things I, I couldn't believe. But the most amazing thing I found was a building full of stories. And you could go in and discover that all of these books held all these other worlds inside them. And I found out so much about these tales from all over and when I came back, I shared it with the person I loved most, Sir December. I told him about these victories that had been overcome in this other world and he asked me to take him, so I did. We went back to the tree, we plucked more apples, and we traveled and I showed him this catacomb of books and he read these stories and he told me that if I wanted to help him, he needed more victories in the hall to get recognized. And the further he grew in power, the more adventures we'd be able to go on. So we read stories and we took relics from this world and he brought them back here to use as trophies, taking credit for stories and accomplishments he'd never done. But he had the story and he had the trophy so people believed him and he was rewarded. And I thought when he reached a certain point, it would all stop and we would be happy. But he just became greedier and greedier and he wanted more and more trophies and he wanted more and more recognition. And eventually it was too late for me to realize what was happening. He was just using me to get all of this. Well, as we know when dealing with fairies, wishes can come with some repercussions. I wanted to travel to other worlds, so I was given the seeds. But I've now opened a door that I'm unable to ever close. 
so anyone getting their hands on them can use them as they see fit. December led a group out there and continually pulls them off the tree and uses them for his private troops to send them to places to earn more recognition. So the only thing we can do to get you back is the way you came, by using the apples. And that means going to see the Fairy Queen. She sounds like a nice lady. She can be a nice lady, but she's all very temperamental. <laughs> also, I have a lifetime ban on going to the fairy realm, so there's that. Robin, I know that you can't return, but you ha- you're the only one who can get her there. You have to travel through the Whispering Willows in order to find the entrance to the Circle of the Fairies and you're the only one who is going to be able to get them there fast enough. I know it's a lot to ask. I know you're risking going back, but I need this one last thing from you. Yeah, I can can take you all there. No, we've all been making these choices anyway, living with the repercussions, so uh, let's see what... I've never actually seen what would happen when the Fairy Queen really gets to enact her wrath. Let's go (laughs) give it a shot. (laughs) All right! Well, you, if you need to, you can give her the axe. Maybe returning the axe is something that will make her take pity on you, or at least not turn you into a bug and eat. Yeah, let's give the, the big vengeful fairy lady the axe that can kill anything. That seems like a <laughs> solid plan. She ruffles your head. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe if you return it to her, if it was her creation anyway, she probably wants it back. She only gives gifts that will bite the person in the back and she'll end up with the original gift anyway so I'm not saying it couldn't hurt but it's worth a shot (laughs) with that she stands up and she gives each one of you a hug and whispers a thank you into your ears and she makes her way out knowing that Robin knows the way into the whispering willows so you guys take the night where you can stay safe and dry and head out the next morning towards the Whispering Willows. Now, the the Whispering Willow, uh, on your journey, Robin would, uh, I'm sure, fill you in on the dangers of it. It is uh, magically protected. That's why the, the fairy folk live in the center of it. And the magic guarding it is magic that's tied to fairy folk. It's trickery. So it is meant to keep people out, keep people lost, keep people afraid. So Robin will will fill all of you in. And it is, it's different from time to time. There's no one unique way of handling it, but because, uh, have you shared with them that you're part fairy? No. All right. <laughs> you do, you notice that he is giving you all very specific He's, he's continually saying that this is how you will feel. He's letting you guys know how you will feel in it. And uh, just to be very careful and to not trust your senses all the way. Hey, Robin. Yeah. So how far are you going to go with us? Oh, we're going we're gonna to go all the way into the fairy room. It's, it's good. Okay. Um, how, how are you going to protect yourself? from the effects. Well, I just might have to battle the fairy queen. <clears throat> what? <laughs> 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 so 
like a very good idea. Well, long story short, I was the revelry master and finder of shenanigans for the fairy queen and king. And due to a conflict between them, I'm banished from the fairy realm because I didn't follow their orders. But my power lies outside of them. I just don't want to be in charge. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're coming up to the mist of the crossover. And so I'm going to share this little rhyme (laughs) about this part of the land. So we're at my forest chorus ability. Roll when you recall a song or rhyme about the place you're currently in. Oh boy. If you want to visit the Fairy Queen, follow this tip to remain unseen. Keep your feet upon the path, or else you'll face the Fairy Queen's wrath. (laughs) Perfect! Now I get to roll! Do, do, do. I'm putting myself out there. No, and I'm going to take charge. I'm taking charge. That is a nine. Okay, so how does, first, how does the song transform the environment? The mist parts in a certain way, and you see an open path that circles around and through the mist. And because you got a seven to nine, it is up to me to say what the next verse that you have forgotten. After that, the your verse is about safety, uh, the safety through the the mists. The verse afterwards that you've forgotten is, well, the mists around are full of dread. The path is safety, but do not trust your head. That's cryptic nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll stay on the path. But I trust you can help us keep us from getting lost, Robin. We'll just follow the open path through the the mist. When you know the rhyme, it takes you there. Do the rhyme, you do the time. <laughs> the mist closes back her. in. Boomer just wants to be a part of things. Only the appropriate rhymes, Goomer. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, they're... It's not necessarily going to be a welcome reception when we arrive. Well, if we're quiet enough and quick enough, we can sneak in. Mm-hmm. As you enter the Whispering Willows, the the sun was shining on the edge of this foggy forest, and as soon as you cross the threshold, you can still, it's still bright enough for you to see, but it's completely overcast in here. There are trees, there's willows everywhere, there's essentially walls and carpet of willow leaves stretching out all over the place, but there's they they have a clear path that the rhyme has produced this path for you to walk away from the willows. Despite that it has a, a bit of a claustrophobic feel, you somehow can still feel a breeze running through you so the air is still moving and when the air hits you you have that tingling sensation on the back of your neck just these these chills that run through you every time the wind blows Uh, who who is leading the way 
Robin Goodfun. Robin is leading the way. Who? Uh, give me, give me the order that you're traveling. If you're you're traveling in a line down the path, I'm curious how how you would all line up. So Robin is in the lead. Who follows directly behind Robin? Cat. Bit of a 1.5 situation. <laughs> <laughs> like you're leaving enough room for Jesus? Uh, is it like, like a slow dance rule? Like somebody has a flesh pouch. <laughs> <laughs> and this person has traditionally carried Gomer around when we've had to run and whatnot. So technically, Gomer's first because yeah. he's in my flesh he's, pouch. He's, he's <laughs> uh, I, I want to hear how you uh, how you delicately asked to ride in the flesh pouch. I see you looking at me, Gomer. <laughs> you know uh, that this mist is uh it's just pretty low. And like I'm not very tall, I can't really see it. I'm worried I'll wander off the path and I'll get us all hurt, but I saw that you had that uh Say it. Little flesh pouch <laughs> at the front of your haunch there. Yep. You got room for a buddy? <laughs> yeah, get in here. Yeah! <laughs> and it just opens up without him, like, without Robin touching it at all. It just opens up for you to be able to jump in. <laughs> all right. Oh, so I'm after Gobbin. <laughs> and then Captain Ash is uh, the rear guard. I'll bring up the rear on, on edge with my hand on my sword. Not drawn yet, but ready. Perfect. So you're making your way through the forest, and uh, Captain Ash, the breeze comes across you since you're in the back of the line, and you hear, it's not just the sound of wind, it says your name on the wind. My, my, my name was yeah. in the wind. Yeah, so you, like, dire- directly behind you, you would just hear. And I look around, I've not seen anything, and I don't really bring it up and make an issue of it, but I'm a very high alert now. Someone spotted me, which makes me uncomfortable. And Kat, you turn, like, you see Ash acting strangely, and as you turn back, the wind behind you. Do I recognize the voice? No. Oh, you guys, this is, this is really creepy. I just heard somebody whisper my name. Is that real? Robin, did that, is it real? Is somebody out there who... Well, I heard my name. So are you sure you're not hearing my name being whispered on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> I heard my name. No, Ash, Ash just said he heard his. Gomer did... I'm, like, nope. talking to Robin's stomach. <laughs> hmm? I didn't hear anything. No. Robin doesn't hear... Gomer doesn't hear anything. His, just, ba- his back is facing uh, a body. <laughs> <laughs> just stay on the path no matter what. Stay on the okay, path. Okay. Okay. Even if you hear it. It's really not that hard to not go off the path. The further you go in, uh, as as Kat noticed when she first arrived in this world, the darker it gets, the, the plant life gives off a sort of violet bioluminescence. So the further you're getting in, the darker it's getting around you, but there's this light purplish glow that's coming around you now. Ash, the voice, the whispering voice, whispers into your ear your deepest fear. What does it whisper? You will be a toy soldier forever. You will die alone when the world ends. 
Damn. That's, that's, that's heavy shit. Uh, Ash, did you say something? He said, damn. Like a pro wrestler. The whispers, they know about me. They know too much. I'm afraid, you guys. What are they saying? Uh, they know. They know my fears. They know too much about me. They know what's in my head. Oh, oh. Head. Oh, shoot. Robin, just at that moment, you hear your most shameful secret whispered into your ears. What does that voice say to you? You steal children. You are not worthy of becoming one with the earth. Okay, just... Let's let's move quicker. Let's hey, let's sing a song while we <laughs> while we go. Go ahead, Gomer, start us off. <laughs> oh, um, okay. Uh, uh, I really like corn dogs. They fill my heart with joy. I really like corn dogs because I'm a corn dog boy. I'll just eat a corn dog and make my fears dead. Oh, no. (laughs) At that moment, Gomer, you hear now the whisper on the wind. But what lie does it tell you? A A harmful lie that you tell yourself that you know you'll believe. You left them for dead. You could have done more. Hey, hey. Gomer, let's uh, steer the song away from death, buddy. <laughs> let's go back to the corn dogs. Um, yeah, corn dogs. Anyone else? Corn dogs. Uh, Anyone else had stuff filled with the worst things I've ever heard? Yeah, I feel yeah. pretty good, actually. Maybe it's because I'm not from here? At that moment. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the wind whispers into your ear just a description of your worst nightmare. What does it say? Your mother How does Kat react when she hears that? She starts crying. <laughs> oh my god, that's the worst. That's the... That's the... Why would you say that? Oh. That's so horrible. Oh god, I'm getting worked up too. You guys, can we... You know what? This is a bad idea. Let's just go. And she turns around we like she's gonna going. walk. We've got to keep going. No, we don't. So This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> We've all had our breakdown. Who's left? <laughs> the only way out of here is forward. You've, you've been so overcome by grief that as you're you're trying to make each other strong, you suddenly realize that that clear path that you saw before you is no longer under you, and you are now walking on a carpet of willows, and there is no path in sight. You guys, uh, is there any chance that the this path just turned to willows? I think we're, I think we're lost, you guys. Hey, don't panic. Let's just think I about panic. what we're... There's no path! I, okay, panic and see if that helps. <laughs> Go ahead, I'll sit over here while you panic. Oh, I have... Wait, you I have Set him out idea. of your pouch. Set him on the ground to panic. Ah! Alright, I'm ready. Let's All right, get back plan. in here. Thank you. Stuff. Sorry. Cat's got the axe, obviously. And 
Mistress Maya made her like a really cool thing that she could stick the axe in like a sleeve on her back anyway. So she takes that out like a badass. And she takes out her, her bracelet that her mother gave her and she touches them together. When she touches them together, you feel that energy, not as severe as when you first grabbed the axe, but you feel that, you feel your armlet is somehow charging the axe and the axe is starting to glow with energy. It's just feeding its energy. So I feel this energy. I put my bracelet back on my wrist and I toss the axe up in the air, like spin it and I'm gonna catch it. And I do, cause it looks really cool. And I'm like, okay, you guys, I'm, I'm just gonna get us there. I'm gonna get us right to the apple tree. And I bring the ax through the mist and I'm just gonna cut through the mist and anything that I think might be in our path that would block it. I just want a straight path without any scary things or voices right to the apple tree. And as Kat does this, she feels this amazing feeling because she has never done anything wrong in her life. She's never cheated on anything. She's never taken any shortcuts. She's always done exactly what she was supposed to. So she's going to break her manner of never cheating. Give me a roll. 11. 11. So now you just describe how do you overcome this challenge? So when Kat sees this ax slice through the mist and there's this way becoming clear to all of them. She feels relieved that this decision, well, it wasn't really a decision. They kind of accidentally fell off the path, but rather than trying to get back to it and play by the rules, she's taking charge and she's just going to use whatever means necessary, whatever is at her disposal, and that's okay. And she's kind of understanding that for the first time. Perfect, so what is your new belief? You've overcome your young women must never cheat. So what is the new belief you have created? I think it has to be rules are made to be broken. <laughs> Perfect. Fuck the rules. Yeah. So Kat, you you have this intention in your mind, you cut through the mist, and just like back in the Hall of 10,000 Masks, this line goes through the mist and it bursts out to the side, completely opening a space. And because you had it so clear in your head of where you wanted to go, you notice that the blast doesn't go completely straight ahead. It clears in at a certain point and then curves unnaturally. So it give, you can tell you have created a completely clear path to your target. Yeah! <laughs> I feel Whoa. like we should, we should probably run, right? Because if, based on what you've said about her, Robin, the Fairy Queen probably knows we're here now. Run! Also, you kick ass. I kick ass. <laughs> you, you kick, kick ass. ass. You, you kick ass. <laughs> you kick ass. You charge through this opening and you turn the corner and you keep going and then suddenly you see a break of sunlight through these willows and this strong beam of sunlight coming down on a tree that is, it looks like the tree from Charlie Brown Christmas. <laughs> this like a frail looking tree, but it has all of these perfectly shaped red apples all dangling from it. And as you run into this clearing and the mist closes in behind you, you are standing in the sunlight and you feel that warmth and that security and that is where we will end chapter four.
As this evening's tale comes to a close, you notice the fireplace has lost some of its warmth and light. That's your cue that it's time to take your leave of the club. As you make your way to the door, you are tempted to deviate from this warmly lit corridor. Suddenly and silently, Stevens appears with your coat in the slightest of nods. You leave, satisfied, knowing that next month will bring another tale and possibly a chance for adventure. Goodbye for now, members.